Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. John Gotti, the convicted mobster, <clears throat> made a statement during his trial, said that revenge is a dish best served up close and personal. Revenge, however, should not be a part of the believer's life. And, and I want us to see this story here in Genesis chapter 45, if you want to turn there, uh, about how to say no to revenge and why that's such an important thing. We've talked about this this idea of the things that we need to say no, learn to say no to. <clears throat> and in week one, that was saying no to temptation. Last time, saying no to intimidation. And today, to revenge. Um, now, we're going to look at the story of Joseph today. The backstory of Joseph starts to happen in verse 30, chapter 37 of Genesis. And his, as you read there forward, you see that his, his brothers sold him into slavery. And uh, it's that sibling rivalry is what caused him to do that. And he was very favored in the eyes of his father. And then he gets uh, sold into slavery and there experiences uh, a, a way out. And then he gets sucked into seduction and entrapment. And imprisonment, and in prison he finds his way back to, by, by way of foretelling the dreams, result of the king's dreams, back out of prison, and into the, into the king's court, into the palace. He sees an unlikely promotion, and uh, then famine occurs in the land, and his family is reunited with him. And we're going to see that story how that unfolds. The first encounter he has with him. So it's in chapter 42 and verse 6. which says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, <clears throat> the, one, the one who sold grain to all its people. <clears throat> so when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with, with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He said, from the land of Canaan. They replied, Verse 8 says, though Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you're spies. You come to see where our land is unprotected. So he hides himself from them in this first encounter. And what we're going to pick up in chapter 45 is the second encounter that he has with his brothers. Let's look there, verses 1 through 7 together. It says, and Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out. Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had, when they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, 
There's been a famine in the land, and for the next five years they'll, be, they'll will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. All right, four things today from this text that are great lessons to learn <clears throat> from Joseph about saying no to revenge. The first is this, is that saying no to revenge is easier in private. It's e easier in private. Look at verse 1 again. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendance and cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph, and he made himself known to his brothers. What's often the catalyst for revenge in the first place is an audience. And when you take the audience away, oftentimes you take the motivation and the catalyst for, for revenge away. Um, that's because what's at the core of revenge is pride. And none of us want to, to, for our pride to be exposed. When you take the audience away, pride has no one to play to. So there's, there's less motivation for revenge being seen and, and being a part of our lives. So the enemy loses his power in private. He loses his grip in private. That's why he'll almost always try to get us uh, to seek and take revenge when we, when we are around others. You heard it said, misery loves company. And that's true. And Satan loves an audience as well. And we, when he can take the audience out of, out of the equation, we remove one of his most effective tools in trying to get us to seek revenge. One of the motives for revenge is to make ourselves look better, to make ourselves look innocent, or to make ourselves look right. Here's what the Bible says about that in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, he says. So a life consumed with self gets to revenge a lot quicker than a life focused on others does. That's why saying no to revenge is so important for a believer and shouldn't be in our vocabulary, shouldn't be in our realm, uh, shouldn't be a part of our lives because saying no to revenge is not God's will and his design for us as, as we'll see unfold here in this story. But that's far easier to do in private when there's no audience. The second thing I want us to see about saying no to revenge is that it always brings a, re a revelation. Always brings a revelation. Look at 3 and 4 again. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not, not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Come close to me, he says. I'm your brother. Most often, We'll seek revenge in the first place because we feel we've been wronged. We feel we've been exposed. We feel we've been taken advantage of. If that's true, and it was for Joseph uh, here as well, we don't care how, how close people want to get to examine us to see if we're telling the truth because we know we're on the side of truth if, if, if we're the one who's been wronged. Joseph had been wronged but had nothing to hide and invited the very brothers that sold him into slavery to come as close to him as they, as they could get to see who he was, to see that he was... Who, who he said he was. Uh, not Joseph, the most power, second most powerful man in Egypt, but, but Joseph, their brother, uh, their, their kid brother. The brothers are terrified, it says in this verse, and unable to speak in verse 3, terrified, no doubt, at his power uh, and at what a prime opportunity for revenge this was for Joseph. Uh, the Joseph that was distant in chapter 42 is now transparent, even vulnerable before them exposed himself to them and who he was. And verse 2 tells us he wept loudly. It was emotional when he saw his brothers. So this reveal 
wasn't about his position as a ruler, but about his position as their brother. And that, that reveal was, there was no bit of revenge in there whatsoever. But saying no revenge does, does require, often will require a revelation. And, and it's, that revelation is often for our good if we'll seek it and, and, and look for it. Thirdly, saying no to revenge is not only easier in private and always brings revelation, but saying no to revenge requires letting go of the past. It requires letting go of the past. Look at verse 5 again. It says, and now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Do not be distressed, angry for selling me here. He no doubt saw the distress on their faces and wants to do his best to relieve them of the burden that they had been carrying for over 20 years of selling him into slavery uh, out of jealousy. Uh, that's why he tells them that what they, what they had intended for his bad turned around and God used it for good to, to save lives, he says in this verse. We'll ne never recognize God's ability to take bad circumstances and turn them into something for our good if we can't get beyond the past. Don't miss that. We'll never see God's ability to take raw circumstances that seem on the surface that they're what is, has been sent to devour us. But God intends to use that for our good, but we'll never see that if we can get, can't get beyond the past. Got to learn to let go of the past in order to see that. And I know that's, that's a hard ask sometimes, especially to depend on who it was that wronged us, the level of wrong that has occurred, whether it was a one-time thing, whether it was a continual thing. I know getting beyond the past can be a challenge. I get it. But we'll never see God's hand in, in our circumstances until we can and do. That's exactly why the enemy wants to keep our mind and our focus in the past so that our ability to recognize God at work is always jaded, is always clouded, is always hindered, is, and in, in many cases it seems impossible. However, when we can learn to do that once, now, I mean get beyond the past, it's going to make other hard places come into much clearer view. When we can learn to experience that once, we'll start to see, here's what God might have been up to in that deal. And here's what God may be up to in this deal. But we've got to get beyond the past to see God's hand and see where he might be at work in our circumstances in our, in our life because the enemy, if we, if we allow him to, my friend, will keep us in the past, keep us in, in, in that place of hurt, in that place of bitterness, in that place of entitlement, in that place of the fact that we're due something. He'll keep us there as long as he can. And we've got to learn to get beyond the past if we're going to recognize and see God's hand in the present. Finally, the fourth thing is saying no to revenge will result in a new vision, in a new perspective. Look with me, if you will, at verse 7 again. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. God sent me ahead of you to save your lives, not mine, your lives by a great deliverance. When God sends us into situations that we didn't look for ourselves, He's always doing that for a reason. It is, it is always for his glory, and it is always for our good. And, and the, I think the more we look for those things, especially both of those things, in the context of our circumstances, the, the more we'll see God's hand, and the greater trust we'll, we'll receive, and the more increased there will be in our faith as a result of seeing his, seeing his hand at work. We can't see his hand at work. All we can see is our own ability to move beyond the situation. So all we look for is deliverance. Deliverance is not always what God is, has, is up to. 
in our circumstances, certainly until the lesson has been learned and we have seen what he's, what he's trying to teach us from that. In, in a hard place, most all of us just want out. How do I get out? Instead of, God, what do you want me to see? I don't want to miss what you want me to see because otherwise I'm going to revisit the same place again in all, in all likelihood and not see it again. Uh, you look for his glory and for our good. Sometimes it can also be for the pur purpose of someone else seeing whether our faith is real in the midst of a hard place. In fact, I think God is often up to that for others around us in our sphere of influence to see how we deal with adversity. Listen to Romans 12, 18 and 19. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Pretty straightforward scripture. It's, uh, it's not ours to revenge, it is his. That's why we, need, we don't need to be looking for it. Let, let, let him handle it. He's much better at it. And we are. Uh, however, we'll never see any of that if we're focused on the past. We'll never see any of that if we're focused on our circumstances. It's only when we're focused on what God is up to. And he's always up to something. He was up to something here. Only God could take a jealous father's love, huh? sibling rivalry, as I said, seduction and entrapment, imprisonment, the interpreting the dreams of a king, getting taken into the palace, an unlikely promotion to the second most powerful person in all of Egypt, and then a famine to deliver his father and a band of brothers that would give birth to the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel that are still in place to this day. Now, if God wants to work through the life of Joseph and his circumstances for us to see, continue, continue to see the ripple effect of He's working in that circumstance today in, in the life of the nation of Israel that about every nation around them and many across the earth wants to destroy but will never be destroyed because God has his hand on them. If that's true, and it is, and God started that day to reveal some things about this day, he can do whatever he wants to with your circumstances, friend. He can work in, in circumstances where you think never, never ever any good that can come out of this and there it always is, and, and always, God will always use it for, for good if we allow him to. Um, only God could wrap the story of Joseph up the way he did as deliverance for his, his father and his brothers, and as, as I said, as a, as a seed for what we're, we're seeing experienced today in the nation of Israel. But none of that takes place if Joseph chooses revenge instead of salvation and deliverance. It was a choice. Choices matter. And the choice to seek revenge, my friend, is never a good one for a believer. It'll never result in good things. Uh, here's something else I found to be true as well. Bitterness is a seed that when planted will almost always give birth to revenge. If anybody had the right to be bitter, it's Joe. He should have been bitter. He wasn't, he wasn't bitter and he doesn't choose revenge. Instead, he finds the hand of God at work through his life to bring deliverance for his family. Uh, it, it, it never found root in Joseph's life because he always made the choice to look for what God was doing. And he made the choice to look for what God was doing in the pit, made the choice to look for what God was doing in, in the palace, made the look, choice to look for what God was doing in the prison. At every circumstance, God, Joseph was looking for, where, where's God in this? 
What's going on? I know God's got to be up to something. What's he doing? Uh, in, in service, in power, always made the, t the choice to look for what God was up to. Revenge is a choice we make, a choice that we need to say no to. As I said, in my life, and uh, in the lives of folks that I've seen that I know know Jesus, nothing good ever comes from revenge. It just doesn't. It may make us feel temporarily, emotionally, mentally, I feel like, God. But that's going to die off pretty quick. What lasts is, where have I seen the hand of God in circumstances that I didn't go, I didn't go looking for, that found me, that I was the one being wronged? Where can I see the hand of God in that? Is it God's desire to wrong me? No. It's God's desire to take the wrong that I was wronged and make that right for me. And only God can do those kinds of things. That's why revenge has no place because it's a, it's a cancer. That if we allow it to, we'll find a seed and grow and grow and grow. And that cancer will spread from us to the rest of our family members, to, to friends, to acquaintances, to folks we do dinner with and see at the grocery store and the ball field. Revenge, is, is, it, it, it comes from a place of entitlement. And just don't get me started on what we're, what we're not entitled to. Uh, that, that it should find no room in the heart of a believer. Joseph got it. And he's a great example of it. I hope you re re revisit this text again to see in greater detail from thir chapter 37 through 45. And he had to deal with that. He had to deal with that and that. And it starts stacking. And if I'm Joe, I'm thinking, God, where, where are you? what did I do wrong? Where did I, where did I wrong you? And Joseph didn't. He didn't. He was innocent in, in all of this. He starts to see the circumstances stacking against him and always at every turn look for the hand of God. What's God, what's God up to here? What's he, what's he trying to say to me? If we'll look for that, we'll see it. But we'll never see it dragging the past over our shoulder. Let's pray. Father, today, would you help us, would you give us a reveal as to maybe what circumstances in the past might have meant what you might have been up to? Because we're looking today, we're choosing to look today through a different lens. Not a lens of entitlement and revenge and bitterness, but a lens of enlightenment, a lens of encouragement, a lens of understanding, a lens of even greater wisdom. Those situations in life that we look back on today and we wonder, why did I go through that? What were you trying to say there? Sometimes we can even see it years, months, decades down the road. Sometimes it may not be seen till we get to the other side. But you always have design to everything that happens in the life of a believer. Those of us in this room who have trusted you as our Savior can throw fate and happenstance out the window. It doesn't apply to us. If we know you as our Savior... Your word says our steps are ordered. You, you know the, the days ahead of us. You know the things behind us. You know, you know whether the past is designed to make us better or bitter. You know whether we see today through a lens of entitlement or a lens of selflessness. Teach us today to walk away from revenge. Teach us today to look the enemy in the eye and say, no, not in this place, not in this circumstance, not in this time, not today. He'll come back again. Help us to learn to to not seek revenge, but to seek your hand, to seek your wisdom, 
to seek your work, to seek what you're up to, always designed to draw us closer to you and more like you. Do that in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.